0: Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. How are you doing this morning? Awesome. Thank you for coming out on this rainy Sunday morning. It's just rain. That's right. That's right. We joke around here that uh, people better hope Jesus doesn't come back on a rainy day, a snowy day, a sunny day, a vacation day. People are going to be like, but Lord, it's wet out. But Lord, I've got an appointment at the lake today. Sorry. I don't mean to start off meddling. I apologize. And obviously, it doesn't apply to you guys. You're here. So I apologize. If you got your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible. I've been stuck in that version for a while. I've also been stuck in uh, the Sermon on the Mount for a while, and that is what is included in Matthew, chapter 6. It's Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7 or the Sermon on the Mount, and these are the words of Christ. So it's... um, it's awesome. It's, it's neat to know that we have access to the very words that Jesus said, Jesus himself said. It's also um, intimidating because all of this stuff that we're about to read, all these things that, we, that are talked about in these passages, Jesus said it. Jesus said it, right? Not us, not the apostles, Jesus himself. So we're going to start in verse 19. And if you recall, I did finish a sermon a few weeks ago. Uh, with these two verses, but I'm going to start one today with these two verses, okay? Verse 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22 the eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either they will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, surver- sur- you cannot serve God and wealth. Verse 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your presence in this place. Lord, we ask that you would open up our ears to hear and our hearts to receive the good seed of the word. Lord, let it accomplish something in us today. Let it challenge us. Let it change us. We thank you for the opportunity to hear it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want to speak to you today uh, from the subject of safest in the secret place. Safest in the secret place. When you read Matthew chapter 6, really the whole Sermon on the Mount, but in particular Matthew chapter 6 since that's where we're at, it appears to be a little jumpy. And and I'm sure your Bible is like my Bible. There are different sections and different headings and You know, where Jesus is talking about different things, uh, how to pray and how to give, how to fast, all these different things. And so what it does is it creates in the mind of the reader this idea that we're jumping from topic to topic. But if you recall, this is the sermon, singular, on the mount. This is one continuous message, one continuous uh, word that God is giving through Jesus to the people that will follow him. This is one thing. If I were to construct a sermon and it be so loosely and and so um, diversely uh, situated, it would be technically a pretty bad sermon. And it certainly would not want to be one that people would want to write down and remember. Okay? Does that make sense to you? If I'm jumping all over the place, you've ever sat through a sermon like that where the guy's jumping all over the place, he's doing his best, but it's not great. Okay? That's hard. It's difficult. It's hard to follow. And when you read it that way, when you read this that way, you, you, you compartmentalize what Jesus is saying. Oh, now we're talking about praying. Oh, now we're talking about giving. Now we're talking about fasting. We're talking about one thing. He's using these different things as examples and points of discussion to drive home the point to us about the one thing, okay? So he starts off in Matthew chapter 5, blessing the people that he's seeing, and that's awesome. He ends Matthew 5, In verse 48, he says, therefore you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And then he transitions in Matthew chapter 6. And this was the sermon I preached uh, about four or five weeks ago. Uh, The sermon was called The Secret Side of Righteous. But he talks about giving so that people don't see you, but so your Father sees you, okay? Uh, He talks about praying, not in public, not grand, uh, grandiose prayers, not wordy prayers where people can hear it but where you go in secret and you shut the door and you get alone with the Father who is in secret. He said in in Matthew 6, 4, give in secret and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you publicly. He says in, in verse 6, go into your inner room, shut the door, and pray in secret to your Father. And he actually says the Father is in secret. The Father is in secret. So when we go in and we, in, we intentionally go in, you don't accidentally find yourself in a room with the door shut most of the time. If you do, you're in a weird situation. We go into a place intentionally. We shut the door for, with the intention of getting alone with our Father. That's in verse 6. And then he jumps down in verse 18. He says, fast in secret, not to be noticed by people, but to be noticed by your Father who is in secret. So he's drawing this line of demarcation in the life of a believer. He's as this sermon is progressing, he's making the case that you become more and more like him and less and less like everyone else. As we journey with the Lord, this is the goal, to become more and more like the Lord in the earth instead of the earth in the Lord. Lots of believers live as the earth in the Lord. We want to be a shiny, spit-polished version of earth so that hopefully we're good enough to get into heaven. But in fact, He's made the way into heaven. That's not in question. And if I believe it and if I follow Him, if I do as He says, and if I get to know Him, then I get to be like Him. Have you ever noticed that people who are around each other a lot become very similar? You know people that are married have been married for 100 years? They're very alike, aren't they? They are very alike. They begin as two very different people. I've noticed this about my, my wife and I. You know, we, we started dating in middle school, which was stupid and horrible <laughs> on our part. Um, and, and lots of people were gracious toward us during that time. But God was good enough. We've been together 22 years, 20, almost 23 years this December, which is a long time for people in their 30s. And so we, we've been together a long time, but, but over the years we've become more and more alike. We, we like a lot of the same TV shows. My wife loves British TV, like Period Pieces and Downton Abbey and Pride and Prejudice and that junk. But you know what? The strangest thing hap- has, has happened, that over the years I find myself enjoying what she enjoys. I find myself caring about Mr. Carson and, and whoever's on you, you guys know who that is? The butler on down. All right, see, and I know who that is. Because the more I'm with her and the more I'm around her, we, be, we begin to like the same things. And likewise, she likes some of the dorky sci-fi stuff that I like. These things happen. When we get closer to our father, we become more like him. When we spend more time with him, we become more like him. We, like, we, we begin to talk as he talks. We begin to walk as He walk, walks and, and do what He does. That's what we do is we spend time with Him. You cannot become closer to someone from a distance. It's not possible. Yeah, we have FaceTime. We have technology. We can see each other. We can keep up. But you don't stay close from a distance. So Jesus is preaching this sermon. He's leading us down this path of understanding that I can be Like God, I can come out from the world and be like Him in the world. But I've got to get with Him in secret. And it seems like when we get down to verse 19, it seems like He takes a sharp left turn. And He starts talking about treasure. Where your treasure is. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. Now I've heard it said, and I've said myself, I said a few weeks ago. That These verses are stuck in here to indicate to us that God's value system is different than the world's value system. And I believe that 110%. I believe that that is accurate. However, upon reading these verses and dwelling on them this week, the Lord has shown me something that I hadn't previously considered. And if you have, awesome. You're better than me. Okay? And that's fine. You can be a better believer than me. But this makes sense. For some reason, God has has shown this to me in this time. He says in verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. The Greek word for treasures here, the Greek word, it means a deposit. Specifically, the place in which good and precious things are collected and laid up. It's the place where something valuable is deposited. It's not just the valuable thing. When you hear the word treasure, you think of gold and jewels and pearls, and you picture a pirate ship treasure, right? Like a a chest of treasure. He's talking about the chest, not the stuff in it. I never thought about that. I never read it that way. Have you read it that way before? Have you thought about it that way before? He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. He says, don't collect boxes and vaults and safes on earth to put your valuables in. Because moth and rust can still destroy. One thing that Heather and I like to watch. Quite often we like these we like these treasure hunting shows. Have you guys seen those treasure hunting shows? They've got them. Uh, the, the Curse of Oak Island, and there's there's one on Netflix a few weeks ago. We started watching called Pirate Treasure of Adak Island. You know, and it's these people that are out to find this historically lost treasure. And uh, this this show on Netflix in particular was interesting because. It's only like six episodes, and they're doing all this crazy stuff. They've gone to this island where this Russian seal poacher buried 3,000 pounds of gold. It's bizarre. It's out there. It's really neat. And, and they're looking for it, and they can't find it. These soldiers in World War II found it when they were digging trenches, blah, 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 and they're looking in those same areas. They can't find it. And they get to this point in the story, like the fifth episode, where they, they find that there's this hill near where some of the gold was found. And so they go search the hill, and they can't find anything. And then they find out that the Army Corps of Engineers actually removed the top 20 feet of that hill. And so they're like, well, if there was gold, it's gone. And then somebody says, no, wait. They put the the fill dirt from that hill over here on this part of the island next to this building. And then they go out there, and they're searching with their metal detectors, and they're doing all their stuff. And you're just like, this is dumb. This is dumb. There's no way they're going to find treasure from the top of a hill, and I kid you not, we were like, we've wasted four hours on this show. This is dumb. And I kid you not, all of a sudden you hear that wow, wow, wow thing under a big rock, and they get this rock lifted up, and they find a gold coin. They found it. They found this treasure. And it's amazing because here this man was, this guy, he had all this gold, he had gotten it, you know, ill-gotten gains, all that stuff, and he went and he buried it thinking it would be secure. And yet, over the last 150 years, everything about where he hid it changed. Everything about where he had put it had changed. Everything that he had planned and and thought about, and he left markers for this and that. And none of it mattered anymore. Because time changed. Even though the treasure was still valuable, things changed. And and Jesus is addressing something here. He's saying, as you come out of the world, you're going to have to change how you think about your treasure. And by that, he's not only saying what's valuable in earth is not always valuable in heaven, but what he's saying is where you put your treasure is as important as your treasure. Okay? Now, what does this have to do with us? People use secret places to lock up to store, to protect valuables. Yet even in the safest, deepest, most secure vaults, the most random hole in the ground on an island off of Alaska, it doesn't matter how secure, who would ever look? It doesn't matter how secure we think something like that may be. Any secret place of earth can become compromised. Any secret place of earth can become broken into. So in verse 20 he says, Instead store up for yourselves treasures, same word, Containers, safes, vaults, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. Remember, Jesus has just been talking about engaging with the Father who is in secret, who sees in secret, who notices things in secret. So the secret place that he's talking about, he even says it in verse 9 of Matthew 6. He says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus makes the connection that when we go into our secret place, which is wherever we make it, when we go into our secret place, we are connecting that place geographically with heaven. Because the Father is there. The Father is in the secret place. But He's also in heaven. So what does that mean? That means that the heavenlies interact with my secret place when I go there. When I shut the door, When I shut everything else out, heaven comes in. But when heaven comes in, I now have an opportunity to bring my treasure into heaven. What's your treasure? Jesus said in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Church, your treasure is whatever is connected to your heart. Your kids, they're your treasure. They're your treasure. They're the only thing of this world you can take with you into God's kingdom. They're your treasure. Your grandkids, they're your treasure. Your body can be your treasure. It's okay to value the the house that God gave you to live in. That's okay. But when was the last time we took our treasure to the secret place? You know what we usually do? And I'm guilty of this. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at us, okay? What we usually do is we bring our treasure up here. And we ask these guys to come up here and agree with us. And there's power in agreement, right? The Bible says that if two or three agree as touching anything, it will be done. Jesus said what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But he never said only do it at the altar with the pastors. He never said that. He never said In fact, he says... Secret place. The Father is in secret. He's in heaven and in secret. Therefore, when I get in the secret place with Him, I'm getting into heaven. And that's the right time to bring Him my treasure. That's the right time to go to Him and say, Father, my kids, you gave them to me. You gave them to me. Don't let them go. Don't let the enemy have them. Don't let this culture transform their minds. We send our treasure all kinds of places. And we send them places much more often than we take them to to the Father, to the secret place. Our bodies, we take our bodies to the doctor. We bring them to the altar. But do we take them to the secret place? You got something going on in your body, we'll agree with you all day, every day. And we'll believe God for a miracle. But don't neglect talking to your father who's in secret. Because he wants to transform the situation. He wants, to, he wants to secure your treasure. He wants to put your treasure in a place where no one can take it. Oh, if we need our kids to be, we need our kids to be in a place like that. Where no one can touch them, where the enemy cannot have his way, where no weapon formed against them will prosper. Because they're in our Father's hands. He's got them safe and sound. We can't keep them in a vault, in a cage. Don't do that. You'll go to jail. We can't keep them from everything that's happening. The craziness of the world. The messaging of the world. We can't keep them from all that. But I can take them to heaven. I can take them to the secret place. I can say, Father, my treasure, my treasure is yours. When you gave them to me, I turned around and I gave them back to you. And no one else can have them but you. God, even if if I'm the problem, if I become the problem, you keep them before I keep them. Amen? You with me? Treasure. When was the last time we took our treasure to the secret place? The safest place, the most secure place to take your treasure is the secret place. I don't have to just wait until heaven to have treasure. But I can take those things that are connected, those people that are connected to my heart. They have a piece of me in them. I can take them to the secret place. And there they will be secure. Moth and rust won't destroy. Thieves cannot break in and steal. You know why that's important? Because the Bible says the devil's a thief. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. But if I take my treasure to heaven... In the secret place. The thief can't touch them there. He can't have them. Doesn't mean he's not going to try, but he can't get them. He can't get them. He can't get my health if that's my treasure and I've taken it to him. He can't get our pastor if we take him to the secret place, right? He can't have the mission of this house, the vision of this place. He cannot have it if we're always taking that treasure to the secret place. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let us not take our treasure to the doctor, to therapy, to the bank, to school or college, even to the altar, before we take it to the secret place. God forbid. Those places are not evil in and of themselves. I'm not saying that. They're not bad in and of themselves. But if we trust that more than our Father, we've got a problem. Number one, it means you don't know your father. Because my father sent his son, and his son said, hey, if you get alone with dad, he's going to take care of your stuff. He's going to. I promise you, I promise you, he's going to take care of your treasure. He says in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And then he shifts again. No one can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. And again, these things seem like he's jumping everywhere, don't they? He's still talking about treasure. He's saying you can't trust in the world system and God's system too. That's what he's saying. That's all these verses are about. He's saying you can't have a clear light. And a foggy light and expect everything to be lit up well. How can you expect to trust your treasure into the hands of earth when you've got an option to give them to the Father? That's what he's saying. You can't serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other. He says, You're either gonna love this world and hate God, or you're gonna hate God, or you're gonna hate the world and love God. That's what he's drawing this line. Do you get it? Do you see the theme here? These are illustrations of what he's talking about. Once we do that, once we take the opportunity to take those things to the, to the Father in secret, our, our flesh is going to react to that. And maybe you've experienced this if you've served the Lord for very long. Because the idea of God, and, and this is, I mean, this is an easy thing to talk about in church because people struggle with this. Let's just talk about money for a second which is the most base thing out of all of this. He, you know, he's more concerned about our family than our money. Amen? Right? But well, let's just take, talk about money for a second. People can't decide to, to take that leap and give money back to God because they're worried about what happens. Amen? Okay. I have trouble sometimes when bills are coming, and I know they're coming. I have trouble sometimes being willing to send that, that money. Anybody else been there? Lord, things are tight, inflation's up, the dollar's down, everything is terrible. If you watch the news, that's probably what you're thinking. It's hard. Our bodies react. We know what God says. We know what He wants us to do, but then to do it, it just it pushes against our flesh and our nature, doesn't it? That's why God wants us to do it, by the way pushes against that flesh and that nature. And so in in the next few verses, Jesus illustrates for us what is going to happen in our flesh when we start taking our treasure to God. And again, I have never interpreted this passage this way, okay? So if I'm wrong, give me grace, but I don't think I am. He says, for this reason, this is how I know, because he says, for this reason, What reason? The very thing he's been talking about. Taking your treasure to heaven. Taking your treasure to the Father in secret. For this reason, because you can't serve two masters. You can't trust in the world and in God. For this reason, do not be worried about your life. And what you will eat or what you will drink or or for your body as to what you'll put on is life not more than food and the body more than clothing. He says, verse 26, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather crops. Into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much more important than they? In verse 25, he uses the word worried, and he he will use this word several times over the next few verses. Do not be worried about your life. Worried in the Greek means anxious. Anxious. It doesn't mean that you're pacing necessarily, although that is certainly a form of worry. It just means anxious, dread. That deep breath. Okay, I think I can do this. Anxious. We all know what that feels like. Do not be anxious for your life. Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or gather, and yet your Father feeds them. How much more important are you than they? Worry, which is a natural fleshly reaction to trusting God, because I can't see God. I can meet with Him. I can feel Him. I can encounter Him. I can listen for Him, but I can't see Him. And it doesn't matter how seasoned a veteran of faith you are. There are seasons in life where it is scary to trust God with your treasure. But he says, do not worry. Worry demeans you, and it demeans your father. He says, look at the birds. Aren't you more important than them? Don't you think you're more important than them? Your Father feeds them, even though they don't sow or reap or gather, yet He feeds them. And are you not much more important than you? But our worry says, if God values me, I wouldn't feel like this. I trust you, God, but, but why do I feel like this? Because your flesh is not made for heaven. Your flesh is not made for heaven. So your flesh is going to do what earth does. going to get anxious. It's going to worry because it's trusting in something it cannot see. But understand that worry demeans you. It lowers you and it lowers your father. Worry tells you that you don't matter as much to God, that you're not worthy enough for him to take care of you, which then makes him a bad father. That's what worry will do. Verse 27, and which of you by worrying, there it is again, can add a single day to his life span. Jesus says, hey, worry does not add anything to your life. In fact, it only takes away. We can worry ourselves all day long and we'll never get a longer life. In fact, I would say you'll probably shorten your life if you worry all day, every day. Verse 28, he says, and why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself, uh, could not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Worry diminishes your faith. It's a natural reaction to trusting your treasure, entrusting your treasure into the hands of a God you can't see. It's a natural reaction, but understand, its end is not good. Its end demeans you and your Father. It it takes away from your life. It does not add to it. And in fact, it belittles your faith. It lessens your faith. Verse 31, do not worry then, saying, what are we to eat or what are we to drink? What are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly Father, knows that you need all these things, worry will cause you to seek the wrong things. Worry will cause you to seek the wrong things, to take the wrong path, to go down the wrong road. I'm worried. I gave it to God, but it's not changing yet, so I must be going the wrong way. You ever said that or thought that? God, I've taken this to you, and you're not answering yet. Did you take it to the secret place? Did you take that treasure to him there? Did you give it to his safekeeping? And then is your body and your mind, your fleshly nature, is it just reacting to the fact that it no longer has control? And listen, again, I'm not saying that from the ivory tower. It is hard to trust God sometimes. It is difficult. We know he's faithful but we don't always feel that He's faithful. We know what He can do, but we don't always see Him do it the way we want. And we worry, and our faith gets lessened, and our image of God gets demeaned. Our image of ourselves gets demeaned. We start seeking the wrong things. We start going the wrong way. We look for everything that could possibly give us an answer, but only one answer is God. we can allow worry to cause us to withdraw our treasure from heavenly safekeeping that's what can happen if we let it but he said in verse 33 but seek first his kingdom verse 32 he says eagerly the gentiles eagerly seek all these things what are we going to eat what are we going to drink what are we going to wear but he says but you you seek first his kingdom And His righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. How do you seek first His kingdom? How do you seek His kingdom, church? I'm going to tell you. I can seek His kingdom uh, intellectually. I can read. I can study. I can do all that. And there's no harm in that. But I've got a place. I've got a place I can go to. It's not up here. It's not connecting with them. I've got a place I can go to, and I can shut the door. And when I do that on purpose, something of heaven comes into earth. And my Father shows up. And it's not just the kingdom, but it's the King. The King of the kingdom shows up in that secret place. And when He comes, He brings everything He has with Him. Everything I need is with Him in the secret place. Church, I believe God's calling me back into the secret place more frequently, deeper. But I don't think I'm the only one. I think if we're going to survive, if we're going to thrive in this intense season, we've all got to go to the secret place. For our kids and our grandkids, for our church, for our pastor. For our mission, our mission, not just mine or his, our mission in this city, in this region. we got to take that treasure to the secret place. we got to put it in the only safe and secure place. The safest place in all of existence is the secret place. It's the safest place. Stand with me this morning. receive this word. Amen. Let us not be people who trade earthly options over heavenly security. If it's treasure to you, take it to your father in secret first. Take it to the doctor. That's fine. But take it to the doctor after you've taken it to the father. Send them to school. That's fine. Take them to the secret place first, then send them to school, then send them off to college. Amen? Take them to the secret place every day that they're gone. Every day. Father, I'm back. I'm back to talk about my kids to you. I'm back to tell you about how I dedicated them back to you. I'm back to remind you, Father, that the enemy can't have them, that you brought them, and you're going to keep them. You saved them. You're going to keep them. Amen? Father, I'm back to remind you that the bank isn't the only place that has my money. You do. You do. You can make my money go farther. I trust you, Father. The safest place for my money is in your hands. Amen? You with me? Let's lift our hands this morning and let's just pray real quick. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to us about the secret place. God, we ask that you would give us the determination as individuals, as couples, as families, to go into the secret place, God, regularly, more frequently. God, even first, before we go anywhere else, God, let us go to you. Let us take you our treasure so that we can, can put it in the safest place possible. God, where the thief cannot touch it where your hands are upon it. Lord, we thank you that we have access to the king and the kingdom. We thank you, God, that we don't have to just rely on the world and on the systems of it, but that we have access to the heavens, that there we're safe. There we're safe. We thank you for it, Lord. God, we, we fresh and new, we commit to you, to encounter you in the secret place. As we go home, as we go out of this place, God, we will encounter you this week. And we'll see what you do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at C O L G or give us a call at 859-745-1865.